Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. Welcome back to the H for Hustle podcast. Uh, today we have a great guest. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to say this like off cuff. He doesn't know I'm saying this, so it's going to be kind of interesting to him. Uh, we met about a year ago, um, and you know I've admired his overall hustle. Um, he, he he's. Uh, a kind of a hustler. I've watched him just on the sidelines looking in and kind of been very admired. And I'm not admired by a lot of people, but I admire what he's doing and his hustle. Um, today, our guest, uh, we have Brian Varela from Var- Varamar Digital Marketing. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Happy to be here, man. All right. Um, so, um, you know, I like to know if entrepreneurship is something that's built or it's you're born with it. So, like, take me back. Who was Brian in, like, ninth grade? Were you, like, a overall hustler? Were you an entrepreneur? Or were you just, like, a, just a regular kid playing sports, doing life, living life? I was a regular kid. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I was into sports. I played soccer. I did some track. Uh, I tried swimming. I was awful at that. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty good grades, good group of friends. Um, you know, overall, nothing really spectacular or... Uh, abnormal about me, you know. I was just your, you know, run-of-the-mill 15-year-old, really into video games, uh, you know, hanging out with friends, going to the movies, uh, you know, no- nothing out of this world. So you would never like the kid that's like shoveled snow to make money or like uh, sold things, just like sold things in school. You were never like an entrepreneur or had that hustle mentality. Well. <laughs> You know, I guess I, I, I could, uh, you know, so I, I was really big uh, on, during the winters on shoveling snow. I, did, I stopped doing it in high school. I did it a little bit more when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go out with a buddy of mine who was a neighbor, and, I mean, we loved snow days. We would uh, go shovel and, you know, make our 60 or 100, 120 bucks, and, you know, like the good, you know, 12, 13-year-olds at the time, we'd go and blow it all on Bergenline <laughs> Avenue. Uh, same day, we wouldn't wait <laughs> unless we were building towards a goal. Um, I do remember one of my entrepreneurial pursuits in high school. This is really bad. Luckily, what was that? I, I can't get kicked out now. <laughs> um, but I, I <laughs> uh, and I don't condone this now. Uh, but I used to bring in alcohol. <laughs> really? Yep. And I would uh, have a, a bottle of Poland Spring filled with. Whatever I found in my house, <laughs> and I'd sell a shot for a dollar. <laughs> really? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. You have an empty bottle at the end of the day? Usually. Huh? <laughs> Anything to get through high school, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, that was lunch money, man, you know? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was lunch money. Why man. didn't I think of that? I shot for a dollar. I mean, it definitely, in hindsight, I definitely would not advise my younger self to do that. I mean, there was just so much risk. There were definitely easier ways to make money. You know, but at the time, you're a kid, and I don't even know where I got the idea from. I think I might have just seen a bottle in my house one day. And said, you were, yeah, this you were a fledgling restaurateur. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you would want to title it now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So um, so then you go after high school. Do you go straight into college? Do you, what do you, what's your next steps after that? Yeah. So um, I... I what I 
got my first taste uh, of real, uh, you know, entrepre entrepreneurship when I was uh, wrapping up high school. My uh, my parents owned a, a logistics company. They had a, a small business. They had about uh, 23 trucks at the time, um, and and that's really where I got a lot of my basics. Um, okay, so you grew up with entrepreneurs. Yeah, my okay. my parents. My dad has always been an entrepreneur. My mom as well. They have, for the most part, they they worked a lot when I was a, when I was a kid, um, you know, for other people, and then eventually, my dad, uh, you know, started his own business. He started a restaurant at one point. One point, he did a lot of. Uh, he started a um, a telemarketing company and did pretty well selling products uh, over TV and on the phone. And uh, they then eventually, through hardships and just the the universe kind of guiding them, got into trucking. Um, and they did that for 15 years, and they, you know, it's what paid my way through high school and paid the bills at home. So what I notice about entrepreneurs when they have kids, they tend to either they swing one really to the hard right or to the hard left. These either they don't want their kids being entrepreneurs, they kind of sway them away, or they sway them to like this is the only way, it's your only option. Where were your parents on that? Were they? In the middle, my my parents never really told me what to do um, as far as you know what direction I should take in life. I mean, obviously, my mom was always like, "Oh, I'd love for my son to be a lawyer or a doctor and get his masters and you know all of that good stuff." You know, my dad felt the same way, but you know, at the same time, if I if you know, my parents have always been really supportive, regardless of what I wanted to do, whether it's go work for someone else or do my own you know side hustle, and you know, it, there was really never much influence. They kind of just let me figure it out on my gotcha. own. Gotcha. But do you think growing up with entrepreneurship helped you now? being an entrepreneur? All yeah, right. I think so. You know, uh, for starters, you know, entrepreneurship, I feel like there's like a, um, and, and it's becoming more prominent now. I, I'm seeing a lot more entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship's on the rise, right? Yeah. We're on the gig, we're living in the gig and a gig economy. But um, I feel like there's a veil, right? So a lot of, because we are so shaped into seeing our parents work jobs, our friends get jobs, people go to school and get jobs, that it's in our head, it doesn't click that you can actually make a living without relying on a corporation or on someone else. And it's actually very doable, you know? And because you don't see it as often as you see people with jobs, mm -hmm. while it is an idea, it's an idea, it's almost like the, it's the road less traveled, so it's the road that you see people take less, which means that you think that, oh, well, this might be a little harder, or it's maybe it's a lot riskier, and it is risky, um, but it, it is extremely doable. Um, entrepreneurship is not, you know, this mystery of things you've got to figure out. Um, and, and that's what you know, corporate America wants you to believe. Uh, I mm -hmm. remember uh, a man who I really admire, you know, one of my, my earliest mentors, um, you know, he, he was definitely someone I, I looked up to a lot, but one of the things I disagreed with him is he would always try to sway, um, you know, his, his team to not jump into entrepreneurship and he would, you know, have people who did go into entrepreneurship and go back into corporate America talk about how awful it was. And yes, it is tough and, you know, you are going to grind probably harder than at a job, but at the end of the day, it's absolutely doable and it is way more rewarding in my opinion. All right. Um, so then... It, it is. So after high school, um, you go into what? So after high school, I uh, went to Kane University, and uh, pure coincidence, I, I had been working with my, my parents, but uh, <laughs> it was kind of tough to work with them. Like yeah. some weeks, like, I wouldn't get paid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of tough, but you know, it, uh, it gave me thick skin. And um, you know, one day I was at the mall. And, you know, just pure coincidence, a, a buddy and a few buddies of mine that we, we were all just kind of hanging out, we walked into a store. Dude, I had never shopped at the store in my life. Uh, and we went into this store and we met some guy who was working at the front and he was really cool. We hit it off with him. We were just BSing. And then I applied for shits and giggles. And uh, 
that place is where I then spent pretty much the rest of the following year or so, I want to say. Um, and, and what was the business? Uh, it was a, a retail store okay. at, at uh, Garden State Plaza. And uh, when I started there, I remember, because there's a little bit of entrepreneurship here. Um, when I started there, right, they don't know me, they don't know Bill from Bob, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, it was a really big staff. I think at, when I started, it was coming into the holidays. I mean, they had north of like 100 people working wow. in the store. Um, and I'm a very much, very much a people person. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't exactly gravitate towards physical labor. And of course, the first thing they have me do is start running the, the fitting rooms and, and running the clothes back. Jeez. And, um, you know, I remember bits and pieces from the training and the orientation, but not much. And I'm just carrying like this gigantic like stack of clothes, dude. I'm not even kidding. I almost walked out within like a half hour. I was like, I can't do this. But I, I stuck it out. And then the first day, um, it, it, I saw it was a it was a Saturday. The store was packed, and I saw uh, you know a family that was shopping. And so I'm holding the, the the this mountain of clothes, and I said, you know what? Like this sucks. So while I'm holding these clothes, I asked these people if they need help. And fortunately for me, one of the managers noticed that I actually could, was good with people. And so shortly thereafter, they took me from, off of running clothes and they put me on the floor to you know, start servicing clients and dealing with more of, of walking people to clothing and whatever. Eventually, man, this was a huge upgrade. I worked my way up to the cash wrap. That was big. That was huge, man. You were top of the top, man. Creme <laughs> of, the, of the creme or however the expression goes if you're at the cash wrap. And that's when, I always knew I could do kind of sales, but I wasn't sure, and that's when I really knew that I was very good at sales, or had a natural uh, ability for it. I wasn't really good at the time, but um, you know, the store was really big on credit cards, and um, I mean, I set the record uh, in the store for most credit card applications processed in a day. Uh, gotcha. 90. And, and then from there, um, I got promoted, um, and I got into management, and that's where I started learning a lot of the fundamentals of leading, training, uh, and really running a business. Got you. So that was straight. That was your so it was your college job. So you were you were at college and you were doing this on the side. So you kind of were learning that you had the the ability to sell and the ability to like be a people person, or you already knew that within yourself. I knew I was a people person, um, and I've, I'd always been social. I wasn't the, the most social person in high school, but I I knew I could be social. But then when I got, when I got to college and when I started working, I, I realized that I, I could turn it on. Right, it was okay. almost like a light switch. Gotcha. And then, so you're in college. How long did you stay at this retail job? So I, um, I was there for about a year. Okay. Um, and then I started working with other retailers. I did a few other like management jobs. I, I uh, at one point went back to work with my parents to help out a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, retail really was my, uh, my main driver for, for school. It, it, you know, I, I basically paid my way through college. King University is not that extensive. Um, but you know, luckily, I, I was able to graduate with zero debt while learning you know, a crap load uh, about, about business, right? You know, when, yeah. you, when you work for a mom and pop business, uh, which was my mom and my pop, <laughs> you, uh, there's, a lot of, there's no standardization, there's a lack of process, there's yeah. a lack of, of, of tracking and measuring and goal setting. Right, but but there is a lot of entrepreneurship. There's a lot of problem solving, critical thinking, yeah. um, you know, figuring out interesting solutions to problems that you're facing, and just putting out a lot of fires. Um, and I learned a lot of that with them. And then I learned a lot about form formality and standardization and processes and the importance of tracking metrics and. Got you. So you were taking plans. one world and trying to implement it into another, and, and, and vice versa. So both of those kind of had a duality. Like you had free willing with your parents, but then you went into a structure, and then you realized sometimes how much a structure actually was beneficial 
and actually absolutely and and actually in a small business. So then, what happens after college? So after college, I this was uh, when I really uh, almost had my first hardcore experience with entrepreneurship. I uh, I was done with college and I quit retail without any sort of backup plan. And I said I'm starting a business. And um, I had a friend who had a courier service. And I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna work with him. We're starting a new company. Uh, you know, he has, his business wasn't really big at the time. He had like one client, mm -hmm. and um, you know, but he had the whole infrastructure set up. So all I really had to worry about was how are we gonna build this thing. So we started, and at the same time, I had a friend who had another friend who was a recruiter, and my friend's like, hey, there's a company opening up in New Jersey. You know, they're expanding. You know, they're not that big. And I'm like, bro, don't bother me. I'm starting a business. And, <laughs> and the guy was really persistent. And so out of a courtesy to my friend, I agreed to take a, a phone call with his, with his friend. And so, you know, long story short, by the time I'm at the end of the interview process with this company, uh, this new potential uh, new venture was not looking good because now there were, you know, my, the, um, the guy who I was going to do it with, his wife got involved, a bunch of other people got involved. It looked extremely messy. And up to that point, I was really the only one that had put in any sort of uh, financial <laughs> capital into Glad it. So I, I cut my losses short and I said, all right, I'm actually going to move forward with this company. Um, and that was a company that I was with for five years. And, so you, yeah. you literally said entrepreneurship after college. That didn't go so well, so you jumped in and went straight into corporate America. Correct. And what kind of business was it? It was, it was a, a payroll, uh, an HCM technology business. Okay. So it's a company, um, I mean, now they're huge. I mean, I think their market cap is like $160 billion or something. Um, but at the time, I mean, dude, they weren't even publicly traded. Um, it's a company called Paycom. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, that place did so much for me. So when you started there, where were you, like a salesman? I came in, at, yeah, as a sales rep. I was a sales rep. You know? But you went from like, so retail sales, people come in there, they want that thing. They're buying the jeans or whatever the, they're looking for, to now you're going out and actually looking for business, business to business. How, what was that transition like? It was insane. <laughs> I did not know what the hell I was doing. Um, you know, you think, oh, well, I'm good at sales, I'm good with people, so I can figure this out. And I did figure it out eventually, but I mean, man, the first probably two years were, were you know, two of the most intense, high pressure, stressful years of, of my life. Um, because you're taking a kid out of college who thinks he knows a lot, but doesn't know jack shit, um, especially about outside, you know, B2B sales. Mm -hmm. um, has never worked in a true corporate environment. Um, I mean, I remember my, <laughs> my like first week, I mean, I, I was going in with a suit and then I was wearing like a Snoopy tie and a G-Shock. <laughs> I don't know how my manager at the time didn't like curse me out or send me back home, but she didn't. I, maybe she didn't know what to do. <laughs> or maybe she didn't have any other help. <laughs> no, she didn't. I was actually the only sales rep because they had just opened up in, in, in the market. Um, so, yeah, man, it was just like, it was a huge learning experience. So how did you, how did you, like, learn, how did you come to it as a salesperson? Like, did you just read books? Like, what was your process? Dude, I worked so fucking hard. I, uh, so I definitely read a lot. Um, you know, there were a lot of people in the company that I admired, but that were in different parts of the country. I would talk to them as much as I could. I'd get all their feedback. I'd 
try to ingrain it in my into my brain. What books are you reading? What you know? How are you handling this? What did you deal with this industry? Uh, I was a sponge, mm-hmm. and at first, you know, I will admit, I, while I was a sponge, I was a sponge that wouldn't absorb. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like I could kind of work, like I could absorb, but not really. Uh, and it took me a while to just like sh- you know just shut the fuck up and just literally do exactly what they're saying. Yeah, um, get out of your own way. Get out exactly. Don't overthink it. Don't get creative. Get out of your own way. Um, and yeah, that you know that that worked wonders for me. Um, and then you know eventually I got really good and I became one of the top producers uh, in my region, uh, and ultimately you know became a huge resource for new reps. Right, people gotcha. that started calling me for advice and mentorship and all so, that. So it seems like you're on a great path in corporate America, right? You're kind of like the you know big man on campus. In a you you started in a very early, so you got a lot of what then said you say you know what. I like this, but I'm going to get the hell out of here. How do you make the transition to, like, I'm going to start my own thing? Because it seems like you're doing great, getting paid well, things are doing good. So what makes that transition happen? So what what kind of enabled me, I got, I got kind of lucky. I don't think many people will have, well, I mean, it's not, it's a combination of, uh, of bittersweet. It's, uh, my mother passed away in December of 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, so when all of that happened, I relied on my company more than ever because my parents, they, my parents went out of business. My dad was, you know, a hot mess. And so I was, I really had to step up and not just be the big man, you know, on campus at work, but I had to become the big man at, uh, on campus at home. Um, and so I, I took over pretty much all the bills, the mortgages, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Paycom was a, a huge just financial resource for me. It, it was incredible. Um, and then from there, I, I got really comfortable. I started making great money. And then what, the reason I say bittersweet is because my mom had life insurance. And so with that life insurance policy, um, my father and I decided to, to start a, a new business. And because I had that cushion, plus mm-hmm. a crap load of just savings and stocks and my 401k, I knew that I could take the risk and, and I'd be okay. And that's what that was my initial transition into my first failed venture. <laughs> okay. So there's a Brian Varela out there listening to this right now, right? And he's like, I'm big man on campus. Uh, and I've, you know, I'm kind of sitting in this cubicle and kind of dying a slow death. Um, what would you say how Get that person should transition? Just do it. Just get out. <laughs> That's it? Just do it. Um, if I look back, I mean, everything happens for a reason. I'm, I am extremely happy and grateful for the way my life has turned out so far. But I would have been interested to see where I'd be right now if I had never taken that job. Huh. Interesting. So although you learned a crap ton of stuff from that, you would have rather opted not to even go in that direction. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I could be. Maybe I'd be homeless right now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the the curiosity is always there. You know, I look at what I've done since I made uh, the, the decision to go into my business full time. And the growth we've had has been explosive. And I wonder, well, you know, what if I had started, let's take this exact same example, the same exact business, but started it, um, you know, seven, eight years ago, uh-huh. right? Eight, eight, nine years ago. Um, you know, where would I be today? Uh, and maybe I wouldn't be doing any better. Maybe I'd be doing worse. But, you know, I'm always curious. And I think that, you know, as long as you have the mental strength and fortitude and, and don't have an external support system, you've got to be your own support system. And if you know you're capable of that, like, just get out. Just do it. You know, maybe be a little strategic, you know, maybe like you, if you get extra, you know. Uh, would you think you would have made that leap if you didn't have that financial backing from your mom? N- and once I was at Paycom, no. 
Okay. Because once you start making money, <laughs> it gets harder to make the leap. Like the more comfortable you are, the better you become at your job, the more money they, they, they pay you. And I was making, I, I mean, I was on my track, uh, on track to crack uh, 400K that year. Um, which, you know, if, if it wasn't for the life insurance, I would never have left. I would have wanted to, but, you know, because I've always wanted to run my own thing. But the financial security that they're giving you yeah, is too much. Yeah, and then your lifestyle changes with that money. You, know, yep. you, you have you fancy cars, you're living in a nicer yeah, place. You're, you're traveling once yeah, a month. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a lot yeah. more things. So after uh, you you go into adventure with your dad, how's that venture? What was that venture and what, what, what happened to it? We got into the food business. Okay. We, uh, you know, I thought, once again, I thought I was so smart and I knew everything because I had just, I had been this super successful guy. I were you company. fully committed or were you like halfway? Fully committed. Okay. Um, I, I quit Paycom and I got into it. And, you know, everyone at Paycom is always, oh, you know, Brian's so smart. If anyone's going to make it, it's Brian, right? Um, and, you know, and then I'd meet people and they'd be like, oh, I know you, you guys are going to be successful. And, you know, you kind of just rely yeah. on emotion and, and good, you know, the goodwill of everyone and think that's enough to make it. And it is absolutely You not. were hiring your own supply a little bit. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, no, it was, you know, we, we had no, we did no research. Um, you know, we, we relied a lot on third party, quote unquote, consultants. Um, we didn't, you know, the finance, it was just a hot mess, man. You know, we, 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 my, my dad's a very smart man and, you know, I would consider myself a pretty smart guy, but, you know, it was, we had to go through that experience. I personally had to go through that experience because a lot of the failures from that business have become assets in my business now. So this is something that I like to touch on because the first venture is usually a first entrepreneur venture fails. Most of the time, sometimes entrepreneurs hit on their third, their fourth, their fifth, their 17th. Usually it just takes one for you to win, right? How was that failure? How did you take that failure? Did you move quickly or did you like no. lock yourself in the hermit and say, I'm going back to corporate America? Like, because most people have that failure and they take it as a gut punch and then that like, they tuck their, their tail between their legs and then they go off back to corporate America. Like, how was that moment for you? How did they talk, walk me through that process? I mean, you go through a lot of stages. So at first, and, and by the way, we could have kept, so the way the business was structured, my, my father was running Columbia, I was running here in the States, he was manufacturing, and then I was handling the distribution and sales. We could have kept this open. It was my decision to stop, to focus on Columbia and shift all of our resources to Columbia to get that place up and running and going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, you know, I don't know if we would have made it if I had kept open because our overhead was just too high. And so the first thing that I did was, I blamed everyone else. I was like, oh, you know, like this guy, and we had him at this guy, and that this guy gave us bad advice. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it was just going through the motions of, bl- uh, of you know, blaming others, not recognizing how naive you actually are uh, during your first venture for most most people. Um, and then, you know, I at the time I had actually already developed the the idea of starting Vanamar. So my my goal was to shut that down. Um, you know, part of the reason I did shut it down was so that I could focus on Vanamar. Um, but, you know, as the universe will have it, they like to throw, the universe likes to throw little obstacles and, and you know, teases on your path. And I actually got connected with a company um, that was in the same space as Paycom. And, you know, the CEO really wanted to meet me. And, uh, you know, just out of curiosity, I, I took a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you know, I met him one time. And after, I mean, you know how CEOs are, yeah. right? Super charismatic, very passionate, you know, great vision for the company. I was sold. So, you know, I had to make a decision. I either had to table uh, Varimar and, uh, you know, put that away for a while and go work with them. Or, you know, I had no cash. <laughs> I had, Varimar had three clients at the time, three, four clients. 
at the time. Um, we were very limited in the services we did, right? and then go in that direction and potentially starve. <laughs> so you, you were at like a precipice, like a very interesting place, is either take this secure corporate money um, that you know you're good at and you can do, or make the transition and fully go in. And which one did you decide to do? I, I, went, with, I went back into corporate. Really? Yep, I went back. So was it the failure that kind of shocked you right back into it? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a little bit of that. Um, you know, it, it was I had, a, it was definitely a, a part of the failure, but it was also the the vision, right? I've always been very optimistic, so I typically move towards pleasure instead of uh, away from fear. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was really the vision that I had been sold, um, and you know, the, the impact that I could have on this company. Like I know what I did for Paycom, but for Paycom, it was more on a regional level. It's yeah. Not, I, you know, the company's not making $10 billion because of me, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but with this company, they were so green and it just so ripe that I knew that I could make a substantial difference. Gotcha. You, know. you, you saw like you could apply some entrepreneurship there. It, you, your skill set would have really improved things there. Yes. Um, so how long did you stay at that, that venture? Nine months. Really? And then you were just dying slow death in your cubicle again? Yeah, you know, if, if, if uh, I would, I'd always been entrepreneurial. It was the same thing at Paycom. Every week I was going to quit until eventually I just said, shut up. <laughs> You're not doing anything. Um, and so at this place, it, it became kind of like that. At first, you know, you've got the butterflies. You know, everything's really exciting. Every day is a new challenge. Um, you know, and then part of what I did is I brought in some people from the industry, which really helped a ton uh, at improving processes, improving their sale, uh, sales, recruiting, et cetera. Uh, and eventually, I really just wasn't as needed. And so, of course, now I'm, um, I go back to being focused on, on revenue generation, and which is exactly what I was doing at Paycom. And that's really where I lost a lot of motivation. Um, and yeah, dying the slow death again, right? Um, so, Because the first part of like getting it up and creating the systems and the operation side was like really exciting. And then once you did that, it was almost like, what do I do now? Yeah, exactly. It's like you've accomplished, you know, part of your goals. Obviously, they had brought me in there for that, and they also wanted me to bring in revenue. Uh, but bringing in revenue, I had already done that for such a long time that for me it just wasn't exciting anymore. Uh, and they, you know, regardless of the compensation package or whatever, you know, money's great and helps you live a comfortable life, but it's not necessarily a, a big motivator for a lot of people, in my opinion. Gotcha. So then. Do you just cold turkey again, make the transition? You have some money now, you saved up a little bit more, um, and then you say, I'm going back? Yeah, so what, what I had tried, to, in my vision, it's so funny, I, I really wish I would, could have accomplished this, but I wanted to be successful at work while starting and running a successful business. I really thought I could do both. So you wanted to be like half pregnant? Yeah, right? <laughs> half pregnant, half out and at a bar at two in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Thursday. Uh, <laughs> right? So, so we, uh, so I did it, right? So around August of 2017, I revived Varimar. I uh, had known this kid, uh, super sharp guy, you know, and I connected with him and, you know, I decided to bring him into the company and give him some, a small portion of equity. And the whole idea is, you know, I was going to work through him. You mm -hmm. know, he'd run the team, he'd run the sales team. I'd handle a lot of back end, a lot of the management, the finance, et cetera. And I'd be able to do a lot of that stuff after hours. So yeah. I'd still be able to run my job. And, and him and I would just be communicated, communicating, you know, via WhatsApp all day. Um, and that didn't really work out. Right. Um, Why was that? I, you know, it's a combination of things. I wasn't as on top of the business as I should have been. You know, you should never really, especially when you're starting a business, you should never really trust someone else more than you trust yourself. Gotcha. Or if you do trust someone, like they've got to be someone that you just have 
I don't know. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what the word is, but um, it, yeah, anyway. Um, so you have to have a good co-founder. I think co-founders are massively important, but it has to be the right fit um, for. Yeah. Yeah, and they have to be as committed as you are, as he, hungry as you were. He was definitely committed, um, right? Like he was in the office, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Like he was committed. It was just, there, were certain, there was a certain skill set that he lacked at the time. Once again, he was a lot younger, a lot less experienced. And for me, I just assumed that everyone's like me and, you know, has a lot of those skill sets. And that's really where there was a mismatch. Um, so the business was on fire, man. I mean, we were, I was burning through cash like crazy. Uh, we were, you know, our first month in op our operation with our sales team, I mean, dude, I thought we hit it out of the park. We signed on like seven clients in one month. Wow. Um, I, you know, we had about five people on the sales team. I mean, I was like, this is it, you know, we're made. Um, but, you know, out of those seven clients, uh, zero are with us today. Wow. <laughs> uh, we lost a lot of them within the first like two or three months. Um, just and bad processing? Bad or? processes, no, like, it was just so bad, man. Mismanaged time, and I, I knew I had to make a decision. It was, what are we, it was around November? Yeah, it was around November, and I, I, I was already hurting. I, you know, I was dealing, I, I wasn't doing too well at work anymore. I, uh, Vanamar was failing miserably. I wasn't doing either one correctly. And I, I can't- So being half pregnant wasn't working No, no, you can't be half pregnant and go party till two in the morning. <laughs> and uh, so I, I knew how to make a decision and dude, it was such a big internal conflict. Like you're just pulling from both directions. You don't know what the right decision is. Uh, it's a lot of just stress and, and anxiety because you know whatever it is, it's, go it's going to be life altering, right? Mm -hmm. If I stayed on the path, that's life altering because I, maybe I'd never reach my full potential in the other direction, you know, who knows? So um, I, I consulted with friends and family, and you know, no one really gave you any good insight because not a lot of people had been through something like that. Yeah. And so I had bought a Tony Robbins event like three or four years before that, and I finally decided to use it that December. And so I went to a Tony Robbins event, and you know, what sparked that? What made you? you I, I had it. I had never used it, okay. and I figured if I'm ever going to go, now's the right time because yeah. I'm in such huge conflict internally. So I went to the event and that didn't help. <laughs> but I did make some friends and I made some really good friends. So the now. event didn't work for you, the it, walking it fire, the... Yeah, no, it worked in, in incredible ways, but just not for my question. Not oh, okay. For my, you know, if the I should... internal fight. Exactly, right? It, I mean, definitely go to t anyone who's listening to this, like, go, trust me. Um, but... Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't help with that portion of my of my life, and so. But I made some friends, and one of the the, the friends that I made, you know, at the event, at the, yep, at the event, um, who I'm still very, very cl uh, close friends with today. I mean, they were at my wedding. Um, she had an idea. She goes, "Well, I mean, dude, it's pretty simple. Just take a month off of work, go fix what you need to fix in your business, and then go back to work, and you still get the best the best of both worlds." At the time, I really thought I could resolve everything in a month. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I go back to work, and they had already they already had an idea that I had been considering leaving, and you know, they said, no, don't, don't quit yet, just go to your event, go see how it is, and come back, and then let's talk. And I said, all right. You know, they were very gracious with me. And so I, I went, and um, I told them, like, hey, look, guys, we're going into January, it's the slowest month in the payroll industry, so no one is switching yeah. to payroll companies. And so I said, look, um, if it's cool with you guys, I'd like to take the month off, take a sabbatical. You know, obviously, you know, don't pay me. <laughs> uh, my business is on fire. I need to go put some fires out, and I'll be back in February. And they said no, and I said I quit. <laughs> really? Just like that? Just like that. There was wow. no thinking. There was no, I'm going to go back to my desk and, or take a few days. No, no, it was like they said, no, we're not going to do that and because they weren't willing to, com willing to compromise. And I understand why, right? I mean, I may, I, I may have done the same thing if I was uh, running the business. 
Um, and so that's really what ultimately, you know, pushed me to going full-time into Veramar. Gotcha. It was just the fact that they said no. Yeah, they said no. And so I, they, you know, obviously we went through the formalities and, you know, they, uh, I stayed on for another two weeks to uh, do my offboarding. And then December 23rd, I think, was my last official day, which sucked because I missed days out before on Christmas. the paid holidays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's okay. Wow. Um, so now, now you're fully back into it and you're coming back into a company that's not doing great either you're, it's like there's fires everywhere and you got to put out the fires so explain that transition now like i'm jumping back in full time whatever money i've made from corporate or saved up that's kind of my lifeline and i have a business that still needs money for me to survive so how do you turn that around uh well I, first thing I did was I got in there, I got my hands dirty, man, and I got, the first thing that I focused on was the current client base that we, that was still with us and how we can keep them happy, right? So there was no discipline in the business. People were coming and going when they wanted, you know, they, it was like a bunch of kids with no parent, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing we did was instill some discipline. Then after that, we started working on some processes, very basic things, but that made a, a world of difference. Um, I mean, you know, if we were working with those same processes now, we probably wouldn't manage the growth we've managed. But, you know, at the time, it was abs that was enough. Um, really getting, establishing more of a, of, a, of, a, of a strong corporate culture. Like, at the time, I mean, morale was super low. Most people wanted to leave. We had one guy who started and left within a day. Wow. Um, but getting, you know, coming back into the fold, you know, the team kind of, saw, oh, well, you know, the, the founder's here, like, oh, you know, like, great, like, we're, we're back, like, right? So there was a, almost like a, a new energy that, that came to the table that yeah. I don't think a lot of people can emulate when, you know, from, uh, unless you're like a super competent, you know, manager or, or executive. But um, being there also changes a lot of things, because you have, now you're looking at a lot of things. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, everything was under a microscope. And so, and so the first thing I did was focus on the existing clients we had. Then once you know, we set up processes, everything was good and everything was rolling, then we focused back on client acquisition. Uh, and of course, with outside B2B sales being my, my, really my, my strength, the thing I was most skilled at, um, we did really well with that, um, you know, with setting up schedules, setting up uh, scripts and sales processes. And yeah, we started bringing on a, a lot of clients. Um, well, not a lot, I'm sorry. We started bringing on a good amount of clients every month. Um, but was able to sustain them. Uh, well, we were still, when you say sustain, you mean like what kept them around or? You were able to keep them because before they were like, you were losing clients as soon as you were acquiring we were them. We were delivering, you know, our first marketing manager was just awful. I mean, the guy wouldn't come into work and no one would say anything to him um, until I, you know, I came in full time or got a little more involved actually. I don't think, I think by the time I was full time, I had already let him go. Um, you know, he would only work on clients once he realized that I was pissed and, <laughs> wow. and I was calling him out. And so that right there, that alone just changed a lot of things for us, right? Um, I brought in another, uh, an, I got rid of him, we brought in another marketing manager, uh, someone who was a, a Facebook ads expert. And so um, obviously with the quality of the product and at the very, maybe we weren't getting results in the beginning, but at the very least we were showing that there was work being done mm -hmm. and there's value to what we were doing, right? That helped clients uh, stay on board. Um, and then just a lot of communication with clients, right? Gotcha. So that's, and... And now you are, you guys are here, uh, much more fleshed out as a company, um, more operational. Um, you got, one thing I really want to know, like how much of your story, and we're not like close to the end, but how much of you think it's luck and how much do you think it's just hustle? It's everything, man. 
I mean, some of it is luck. A lot of it is hustle. A lot of it is hustle. Um, you know, they say good things come to those who wait. Uh-uh. Good things come to those who hustle. And that's one thing that I did a lot. You know, my, my wife, we were just talking about this the other day. You know, I mean, I was going in 6, 7 in the morning, and I wasn't leaving till 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night. And I was happy to be there. It wasn't like I was forcing myself. Yeah. Right? Um, it, was, it was just trying to be on your A game at all times. There's no time for breaks. There's no time for Netflix or, you know, HBO or eating, eating and hanging out with friends, which I, I did still keep a social life. Um, but, you know, you just got to minimize it drastically. And, you know, you just got to hustle hard. And, and with hustling, I think the universe rewards you. And that's where luck comes in, right? That's where you get referred to mm -hmm. this, like, random person you would have never met. Or coincidentally, you know, you walk into a, a business that is actually looking for marketing. Um, you know, because that's happened to us time and time and time again. So I definitely think it's a combination of, of those two. And smarts also, right? Just because, you know, hustling will get you far. But it's only going to get you so far, yeah. right? You've got to just continually invest and reinvest in yourself and your team. Uh, learn as much as you can, right? I mean, I, I'm not a digital marketer by trade. I've n never, you know, done digital marketing myself. But yeah. uh, in a very short time, I put my th myself through a very intense process to be able to speak intelligently about digital marketing and know the ins and outs of it. Um, gotcha. In a very short time. How do you do that? Like, so... You know, I think digital marketing is the way, it's the future. Everyone knows it, but it's still almost like in its infancy. And it's also ever-changing, you know. One, one, one year, Snapchat's the, the rave of the rave, right? And next thing you know, Instagram puts up stories, and it's like, it's choir for Snapchat. And there's Quora, and there's Facebook, and Facebook ads, and Google. How do you keep up with the ever-changing market of, like, digital media? Because it's not like, hey, I put this in yellow pages, I'm guaranteed a certain amount of success. It's like... All of it you have to do, all of it has some level of success. How, how do you keep up? Like, because I know business owners that are like just dizzy trying to understand it. How do you run a business to help business to help businesses grow their their digital marketing? You just gotta stay ahead of the eight ball, man. Um, you know, a lot of uh, you know, I, I always make a, a point about how you know, 20, 30 years, thirty years ago, you can. Come up with some sort of a marketing campaign, a billboard ad, right? Yeah. And that billboard ad would work for years. You wouldn't have to do anything. Maybe change the picture so it looks a little nicer, right? Yellow pages, same thing. You do the ad once and that'll work for years. Um, uh, direct mail marketing, same thing. But with now with digital marketing, everything's becoming, everything's evolving a lot faster. So like a campaign that works today there's a good probability it won't work in six months because too many people have seen it already or too many people are used to it. You know, like interest stories. I don't know if you remember, but Facebook did this thing where they would run stories of like, oh, have you seen this? And it would be like some sort of a drastic picture. Yeah. And at first, man, that was clickbait. Everyone would click. But now everyone gets annoyed because yeah. they know what it is. Yeah, yeah. they've <laughs> right? seen it already. So it's it's just staying, uh, you know, like for example, when I get, when I get targeted on Instagram, I click on pretty much almost every single ad, whether, whether or not it applies to me, because I'm looking to see what everyone else is doing. Because the great thing about digital marketing is that there's a lot of entrepreneurship, there's, and, and with entrepreneurship comes a lot of innovation, right? We're not playing by a textbook, right? No one, you know, now there's, uh, you know, um, master's programs in digital marketing, but that wasn't a thing. It's only, it's very new. And a lot of the, the innovation and, and the, 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 the best practices, they're just developed by people trying and testing new things out. Yeah, because you go to a master's program, 
you're there for two years, and in two years, all the stuff that you just learned is null and void. Exactly. You know, LinkedIn is the hottest thing moving right now, and a year ago it wasn't even the same thing. So it's it's one of the most interesting spaces. Um, and, and how does that does that keep you engaged with it because it's so dynamic and it changes so fast and so quickly? Yeah, it definitely keeps us engaged. Like for example, um, you know, last year we were not we didn't want anything to do with Yelp. Um, yeah. And now we're about to become an age, uh, a, a Yelp-approved partner, <laughs> right? So interesting. Yeah, because you know Yelp has evolved their platform. You know, whereas before, it, you know, you you could only be really be successful if you were a restaurant or a hair salon. But now Yelp's done such a great job at at uh, building uh, their own traffic that now if you're in the trades. People are going to look on Yelp for you know yeah. a, a, um, a handyman. Funny you say that. A friend of mine was looking for a locksmith, and she looked on Yelp. It was there like, you go. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. So it, you know, so like exactly like um, oh my gosh, I wish I could remember where I saw it, but there's this interesting um, uh, presentation that I saw that just shows how fast the social media platforms all change. Where you know, a Friendster was the leader, and there's no way Friendster would ever be taken down. And then MySpace came. immediately it failed, and MySpace took over. And then MySpace is dominating, and now there's you see Facebook, Facebook and it's Facebook is this little insignificant ant. It, there's nothing going on there, and it goes by for years, and all of a sudden, you know, MySpace just comes toppling down, and then you see Facebook, and eventually Instagram and Twitter. And so these platforms are consistently changing, and I, I give Facebook a lot of props for recognizing that and starting to acquire the companies that could potentially bring them down yeah. um, because in digital marketing it's always evolving and so you know to your point you're starting to see now a rise in things like Pinterest and Yelp uh, and LinkedIn where a year ago or uh, yeah, a year and a half ago I mean dude no one was advertising on Pinterest yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, LinkedIn if you were a recruiter or, or, or very very specific business services but now it's it's all changing pretty drastically. Gotcha. And so how do you explain that to a business owner? You're walking in and say, hey, listen, the landscape is ever changing. I know you're a locksmith, but <laughs> now how do you, I could see that being like the most, one of the most trickier sales, you know, being in sales before, it's like a tricky sale to sell. It's, you know what it is? It's a lot of, uh, you know, most business owners do want to, want to understand what it is that you're doing. But at the end of the day, as long as you're generating them a profit, they don't really care, right? Yeah. So initially, if they don't know you, they've never worked with you, then yeah, they'll be, they'll say, well, actually, you know, my daughter says that social media is the future. So I want, I don't want you guys to do Google ads. I want you guys to do social media for me, right? And so there's a very big educational component in digital marketing where we have to uh, pretty much run our clients through a crash course because otherwise their expectations are going to be all over the place. Um, you know, we had a, a very sad story where a client left us um, at, some, at some point last year, but it was just such a lack of education. And we tried. I mean, Lord knows we tried. Um, but, you know, in, in their eyes, they weren't seeing Instagram postings, so they thought we weren't doing our jobs. Now recognizing that we're running Facebook ads, which is actually lead generation, yeah. while, Insta while, you know, Instagram postings... It's it's nice and it could be a source of lead generation, but it's nowhere nearly as strong as as paid right. advertising, yeah. right? Um, and you know, for them, they just they didn't they couldn't uh, identify the differences. Um, education is very very big for for a lot of the clients that we work with. Gotcha. All right, now there's there's a, a kid out there that wants to do the digital marketing agency and they want to start. What would be your advice to them? Learn Facebook ads and start calling people. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of educational material out there. I mean, anyone anyone with five hundred dollars and a laptop can start a digital marketing agency. Probably even less. If you really want to go cheap, you can just buy the laptop and that's it. <laughs> right? There's YouTube courses. 
Um, anyone that's looking to start an agency, you know, one of the things that I really wish I had learned in the beginning, and you know, it took me a while, and it did not do me any service, is um, I didn't know how to run a Facebook ad. I didn't know how to run a Google ad. Um, and that really hurt us, because now I'm relying on other people to, to be able to deliver for clients. Uh, you know, my advice is for someone to do a crash course on Facebook ads, you know, test a few things out on their own. And once they feel like they can deliver a decent ad, you don't even have to be that good. Like, that's the crazy part. Like, to, to deliver success, you don't even have to be like a 10 out of 10. Like, you can be like a 7, a 6, and you, you'll still do good for by the client. Um, and so you want to get really good at ads. And eventually, with time, you will master it. Um, but, you know, if you're doing it that way, no one can tell you something that's not true because you'll know exactly how it works. Gotcha. So is there any, like, if there was any book or resources or anything that you, you say you, you rely heavily on, was there, like, one book or, or one thing that, like, changed your, your paradigm, major paradigm shift, changed your, your mindset or something? <laughs> if, if there's one you could recommend, it's, again, just... Is it... For anyone starting out, I, I highly recommend uh, Ty Lopez's um, social media marketing agency program. Uh -huh. Um, I think it's like five or six hundred bucks, um, and it's very entry level. It's very beginner, but for someone who's never done digital marketing, it's perfect because gotcha. it sets you on the path. It teaches you about you know things that like you don't even really learn, like how to incorporate, you know, what to do with a bank account, how to hire people. Um, it goes over most of the platforms, and I, I believe they've invested in it, and they keep making it better and better. Um, so I recommend you know. That because it's it's a, it's once again very entry level, very high, uh, high very Tyler, bird eye, yeah. bird eye view. But it, it sets you off on the path. It at least gives you a lot of the fundamentals. Gotcha. But as a resource, just as an entrepreneur, is there a book, one book that you say, hey, I recommend someone who's looking to make a transition read this before you do? Oh, I mean, okay. Well, if we're getting out of digital marketing and just in general, I mean, you know, everyone's gonna recommend this, right? Think and Grow Rich. Okay. Uh, by Napoleon Hill, a phenomenal book. Um, I think uh, that book's been incredible. Uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, I highly recommend because it teaches you how to deal with people mm -hmm. no matter at what level of, you know, <laughs> uh, being personable you're at. Uh -huh. um, uh, the Energy Bus, it, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a cute book, um, but there's a lot of power. It's, so, it's a very simple book, and as a matter of fact, that's probably one of my all-time favorites. The Energy Bus. The Energy Bus, yes, by huh. um, a Gordon. Oh, gosh, I forgot. Don't worry, we'll link it up. In the, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure there's links to all those um, in, the, in the show notes. And no, yeah, that book, it's a simple, it's a quick read, but it is powerful. The message, the underlying message, just made such a huge, a huge difference for me when I first read it. Um, you know, aside from that, I'm not really gonna, The Energy Bus is probably the only book that I'm really unique on that not a lot of people uh, highlight. Uh -huh. Aside from that book, I mean, I've read all, everything that you can imagine that's been recommended by a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, highly successful people. Gotcha. All right, well, um, that's pretty much all I have. I just wanted, you had a very interesting story. Really quickly though, because one of the other things that really, like, I really, I really like about you, you're not just an entrepreneur in digital marketing. You're like an overall hustler. Like, you have a bunch of other things going. Was that like just because you you experience failure, or you just like dabbling in other things? I mean, I like dabbling in other things, uh, almost to a fault. <laughs> you know, so uh, when I started Varimar, uh when I came into Varimar full time. 
um, financially, I mean, I, I, it was it was tough, right? So I had to come up with side gigs, side hustles that would at least you know bring some cash in because I mean you know there was a point in Baramar when I came full time that I was like I should just sell this thing and just make my money back. <laughs> I mean, you'll go through that if you're starting a business. Um, hopefully, you won't, but you probably will. Um, Depends on your cash flow situation, but anyway, so so I started looking into other ways of making you know money, and so you know I had a, I, I I wasn't planning on going into Veramar full time when I was still at the other company, and so literally not even a, like two weeks before uh, or a week before I think I put in my my notice officially, in two weeks actually I had just gotten a, a, a BMW M4 right, mm-hmm. a very high car payment, but I, I was fine, I could afford it. Once I left and I was no longer getting that cushy salary and, and the commission, now I'm like, all right, what am I going to do with this thing? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I figured out that there's a, you know, an application out there that lets me rent it out. And the initial idea was, okay, well, I, maybe if it covers like a third of the payment, half of the payment. And instead, I found out that I can actually make the whole payment plus put some money in my pocket. And so that turned into a hustle, into a side hustle. Yeah, now do you have how many cars? Uh, I think I've got like five, six. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm scared. Now, but now with that, Veramore is doing significantly better. I am scaling that back so okay. I, I can focus on, you know, the golden goose. Um, you know, real estate's always something I've been into. Um, and there's nothing better than, you know, living for free or close to free. So, um, you know, I have a, a few rental properties. You know, I live in a two-family home. And, you know, that's been huge, especially when Veramore... Do you recommend most entrepreneurships, most entrepreneurs have like one or two or three or four hustles kind of going on while they have something else? I mean, some people have the aptitude for it, some people don't. Do you recommend that? And if you can handle it, because it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of uh, spinning saucers, right? Um, if you can handle it, yes, especially in the beginning. But I think once your business is at, can provide the same lifestyle that it was providing, uh, that you were living, you know, prior to the business being to where it is. Mm-hmm. I think you just need to cut that off and mm-hmm. focus on the business. Um, unless it's like other prominent, potentially successful businesses, then yeah, you know, figure it out. But if it's like side hustles that you know that, you know, it's going to get too big and you're not going to be able to do both, or you know, for the time you're putting in, it's no longer worth the effort. Like just, just you know, and, and you're going to give up cash, but just give it up. Give it up and focus on as long as you're using as long and that's the other thing too. Don't give it up and then spend time with your friends and going out and you know use that time for your business. Um, you know, tr- make your keep what you would have dedicated to that side hustle. Put it towards your business because that's going to ultimately yield you a much stronger return. Gotcha. All right. Now, final words. What would you tell someone who's on the fence, straddling the line right now? Do it. That's it. <laughs> Just do it, you know? Um, there are things to consider, right? What's your financial situation? How much do you have in the bank? What's your support system like? Um, you know, if you're young, are you still living with your parents? Oh my gosh, that's the best. If you're living with your parents, you, there's no excuse for you to not quit uh, your job. Just do it. Um, but yeah, you have to consider all of those things, right? You know, some people are older. Uh, you know, entrepreneurs are, you're starting to see a lot of people coming out of the workforce that are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Some of them for unfortunate circumstances where they're being laid off. Yeah, they're um, aging, they're aging They're out. aging out, yeah. exactly. Um, and for those, you kind of don't really have a, a choice. But others, you know, they have kids, they, you know, they've got a, a mortgage, a few car payments. You know, it's a little, it's a lot harder to tell someone who's got a, you know, a monthly overhead of, you know, five or six grand to say, hey, just, you know, quit and <laughs> you'll figure it out. Right. Um, so, you know, but at the end of the day, you've got to take the dive and uh, maybe you start out slow. If you if you do have a high overhead, find out how to how to trim it, find out how to supplement a lot of your bills. Um, 
the younger that you do it, the better. The sooner you do it, the better. Because the older you get and the more money you start making, the harder it's going to become to jump into, into entrepreneurship. Guys, um, great, great advice. Uh, if I was listening to this, I'd be having my notepad. Brian dropped a ton of gems today. I want to say thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. Uh, where can people find you? How can they get in contact with you if they do want to, you know, ask more further questions? Yeah, um, they can. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm not too active, uh, <laughs> but I do go on. It's uh, Brian Varela. Uh, or what'll probably be easier is just shoot me an email. You can reach me at Brian with an I at VarelaIndustries.com. It's V as in Victor, A R E L A Industries plural dot com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This podcast is mixed, mastered, and produced by Brian Alexander in the Shedio.